4 o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Four o'clock is here. It's Cofield, Adam Hill, Ari, Finley Toyota Studios. We'll get to the football frenzy here in just a second. Just uh, one more follow-up on the uh, fight exhibition this weekend with Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. I saw that uh, Adam Canelo Alvarez did the face palm. Yeah. I don't know, bro. I don't know. But like, Floyd at 44 fighting exhibitions and carrying a dude and making money off it. I, I suppose it's to be criticized, but Canelo's involved in a lot of minus 800, minus 1,000, minus 1,200 fights. Like, you're in your prime. Sure. Where are the fights? I, I agree, except for one thing. He would fight Floyd tomorrow. Okay, yeah, Floyd's 44. Right, but I mean, what he's, what he's, I think what he's saying is like, hey, if you really want to make money, here's the money. You just don't want to lose. You don't want to put yourself in a position you could possibly lose. Would You'll you make watch- a lot more money against me than you will against Logan Paul. Yeah, but risk-reward, I mean, is it worth it? I'd watch it. Of course I'd watch but it. I'd love, to, I'd love to see Floyd you know, now give Prime Canelo a fight. Be great. And then toy with him again. I think he would lose. But... I mean, hey, Logan Paul went the distance, so of course, it's so stupid. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that's that's the counter argument to what you're saying because I agree with you that yes, Canelo is taking fights where he's a big favorite and he's crushing people, but he would fight Floyd tomorrow. So like, it's it's that, like, hey, you want money? Here it is. Oh, you just don't want to take a chance of losing. Okay, I get it. I see what it is. Uh, interesting pair of stories with Juwan James, the former Denver Bronco lineman. Remember, he sat out last year for COVID. Then he shredded his Achilles while away from the facility. They dumped him. Well, first of all, good for him. He's got a new deal. So he's going he's gonna to work on the cheap this year for the Ravens while he rehabs. And then he's got an $8 million deal for next year. So I'm glad he gets a chance to come back. But is that the story, or is the story that he's still fighting the Broncos on getting cut in the first place? Yeah, the story is he's going to sue uh, for he has filed a suit, a grievance for fifteen million, which was the amount of guarantees he was owed from the Broncos, who cut him uh, for, as you said, working out away from the facility. Now he has said that the Broncos told him to work out away from the facility. Uh, there's that discrepancy because it seems like. He was part of the group that was working out a way uh, because they weren't going to go in for OTAs, and then that all changed when a couple of guys get cut. Everybody decides to go for OTAs, but he was one of the, uh, you know, one of the first on the forefront of getting hurt and players realizing, oh, uh, if if for no other reason, I better go into the facility to make sure that if I do get hurt, it's not something that they could take out on me on my contract. Conclusion. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, not that I would know anyway, but I don't know how these uh, contracts are done and how the how the grievance process will work in terms of who would, would have the benefit. It seems like 
the teams are within their right to cut people that get hurt working out away from the facility unless there's something like in writing that says, hey, we'd prefer that you start or you stay away or I, I don't know. I, I I think it would be very – there's a lot of very fascinating elements. Like I'm going through a lot of things in my head of, you know, what happens if – and again, this is not a legend. I'm just saying like how these things could play out. What if they were like, yeah, everybody that's vaccinated should come in. And if you're not, then then don't come in. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm not vaccinated. I won't come in. And then he gets hurt. And they're like, well, you could have got vaccinated and come in. Like, what are you doing? Like, And again, this is not what's alleged here. I'm just saying those are the kind of things that could potentially play out. And then you get into this you know, weird spot. I'm sure we can talk to Justin about this at some point in the future. But um, I'm intrigued by a lot of the different contract language and how some of these scenarios play out. Nick Saban signs an extension. What? Three-year extension to the 2028 season. He'll be 76 going on 77. What do you think of that? Will he fulfill that? Do you mean will he fade and get fired? No, Probably he's, not. he's not getting fired. I think they owe him. He could be Although, pretty crappy for a while. Um, that would be interesting. If he had two, two seasons in a row where he didn't make the playoff and they're like, all right, we're done. They Bobby Bowden him. <laughs> right. They Joe. No, nah, that's not what happened to Joe Paterno. We're accustomed to playoff berths here, so you're done. Does it shock you? No, I mean, I wonder it, what his family's saying though. It sounds shocking on its surface yeah. of like he's signing a contract through almost 80 years old. Like, yeah, that does sound kind of shocking. But 76 is the new 55. I don't think that's true. Um, but new I, 65. I think. Come on, the new uh, 65. Sure, that's fine. All right. Yeah, that's not too bad. Right? Um, For some. Yeah, I, I, I'm just more, like, like that part is kind of shocking on its surface. But again, if, if he wants the job, he can pretty much have it as long as he wants. If he wants to coach till he's 90, I'm sure they'll be glad to have him there. Do you think Coach K called up Saban? He's like, you might want to walk away before that. I've seen what happens. I think Coach K called up Saban, and he's like, whatever you do, make sure that you have a retirement tour and make it all about yourself. Don't just don't just retire in an offseason. Uh, Packers president now saying that the Aaron Rodgers situation has divided the fan base. Yeah. Good. You think? By the way, we do have breaking Aaron Rodgers news. We do. I'll get to it. Yeah. We're going to do it in the big five okay. about um, him uh, no-showing and what it's going to cost him potentially. Yeah. We'll get to it. But right now, Packers' Mark Murphy says the fan base is divided. Is that right? <laughs> How did that happen? Do you even believe that? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, we we talked about this from the beginning. There's going to be people that take the organization side. I, I think a lot of the fan base is on Aaron Rodgers' side. Um, but also, I, I do think that they're, like, usually in, in cases of player versus management, I'm probably pro player like 99.9% <laughs> of the time. And I, I get it. Like, I'm kind of on Roger's side in this, but only kind of. I'm not fully there yet because I do think there's been an issue with him explaining exactly what his issues are. Like, he went on, he did the, the Kenny Main piece. He did the, the people. He did some, yeah, the people. And there's people and people did, and people did this and then other people. Can we pull that up? Or is that gone from the uh, vast sound machine? Aaron Rodgers and the people. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, Kenny Main, and the people. If he went on, it was there, a bit and, convoluted. And then he said, he wasn't thrilled with the way they did the the Jordan Love draft, but he's a good friend of Jordan. He loves Jordan. It's not about Jordan Love. Is like what? 
wait, what, what? So what is the issue? Like, I wish he just came out and said, listen, this is what I wanted. Here's the issue. This is what happened. I think it would be a lot easier to get on his side. Like, like I'm naturally inclined to be on his side. But when you just say people nine times and there's nothing behind it, like, what is what exactly is his issue? Why doesn't he just say it? I, I want, don't know. I want my contract extended and guaranteed. Boo! Jerk! Is that what it is? He's, a, he's afraid of fans? No, like, what, what what good Packers fan would be like, no, don't extend him and guarantee him? Don't because, guarantee the next three years. Because I don't think that's what it is. Like, I, I honestly think he just doesn't like him. So it's just the, you drafted Jordan Love, I'm never playing football for you. Whenever I have the opportunity, I'm walking because I hate you. I don't even, I, it might not be that. that but, and by the way, that that wouldn't be that unusual. No, no. For a guy who's got all the money, he's just like, I'm not playing for you. I do not want to work for you. I think that would be fine. I, I, I almost think, I almost think it's just a, it's a personality thing, of like I just don't like the guy. Haven't we all? Not me. I, I love everybody at work, but have, hasn't everyone had somebody in the office they just don't like? And isn't it possible he's reached a level where he's just he's like, you know what? I just don't like that guy, and I have enough power here that I'm going to be like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to hang around for a guy I just don't enjoy. I don't like him. But his jokes are stupid. He talks too much. Like, I just don't like him. And I think I, that might be it. And that might be why he's scared to say, you know, he might feel like he'd come across as a jerk. But I'd respect it. I get it. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Mm-hmm. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Julio Jones, now a Tennessee Titan. So that's interesting, making up for what was kind of a weird offseason with the offense, they lost a couple of key players. You don't dislike the the signing, right? Or, or are we still in that mode of, hey, let's see what the money is? Second yeah, round pick. And, and Julio Jones wants his contract, would like to see a renegotiation, get some more guaranteed money. Yeah, I think you see what the money is and see where it works out and see how the how you know that will determine how good the signing is. But I also think it's, it's fit in team, right? I, I think it fits more for the Titans than it would have for the Raiders. So I think it is, it's a good move for them. It changes them. It changes their complexion, which I don't think it would have done for the Raiders. I don't think there's much of a difference between the Raiders with or without Julio Jones. I do think there's a big difference in the Titans with Julio Jones. All right. Fit. Is that the right word for Gus Bradley? The think, right fit. I mean, well. Does the personnel fit Gus Bradley? It's can, the, they, it can, should. They, can they remake it in one offseason and one draft? It should. Um, we'll have to find out. I mean, on paper, yeah. On paper, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. I think starting, you know, with, you know, not only do I think the corners fit the system better, but we've talked, you know, ad nauseum about what it does for Jonathan Abram. Jonathan Abram is such an important piece of this defense and how he can play. And the defense puts him in a position where he can be more successful than he was uh, before. Like, it's a much better 
system for him to thrive in his skill set. And so a lot will be on his plate for sure. And, you know, I, I think that a couple of guys are, you know, have better fits in this defense than they did in the old one. Trayvon Mullen says Bradley cares a lot more or cares about a lot more than just football. And he wants guys to be part of each other, be a team, learn together. Was it different? You know, what does that mean? What made me laugh on that, on that part of it yeah. was that's the exact, exact comments we heard about Paul Gunther. Yeah. We're like, Paul Gunther's just a good dude. Cares about the players. He's he's more you know mentor and you know role model and friend and guy that's there for them. Okay. And then you're like, well, so Gus Bradley cares about more than just football. I thought that was what Gunther did. It's always weird. It's always weird. Uh, you know, we hear new coaches and how you know guys are fired up to play for him. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not going to work out with Gus Bradley, but it's interesting so far. Some of the reaction. Blaine Bishop played in the NFL. He just radio in Tennessee. Played. Defensive back, so he knows all about this. How are you, Blaine? How you guys doing, man? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we're good, man. How are you? Well, okay, yeah, I'm doing great, man. Beautiful. Uh, hey, we on we on a high, right? We have Julio Jones. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So I want I want to get to Julio Jones and the Titans here in just a minute, but I want to lean on your knowledge of player to coach relation and. Mm-hmm. You know, the Raiders are trying to rebuild their defense with some new players, but with a new D.C. and Gus Bradley. What do you hear as a former NFL player when you hear, hey, this guy's going to put us in a position to just react. There's so, not so much reading. We get to attack, and, you know, it's more about learning. I, I, I kind of feel like we hear the same thing when new D.C.s are on board. <laughs> well, I, I think, uh, you know, those are cold words, and you just never know the situation, what they came from. And maybe he's trying to be the opposite of that. In reality, maybe the same. But that's what he's saying, and that's what he's selling. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, it depends on your team. If you have a super talented team on defense and guys are into really, you know, trying to fit every formation and emotion and everything else and make adjustments, and if you just say, hey, just let us line up and react and let us just go, some players do better at that. And then, you know, they don't have to think as much. And then some guys – uh, can do all of that, uh, which I, I was very comfortable with. Uh, and, and I felt like I was the mad scientist at every movement and check I could make. I would try to be in and react and, you know, feel like I can make every play. So it, it just depends on your personnel and what uh, suits them best. And that's what is a sign of a good coach. This is going to sound like a ridiculous question. I'll, I'll freely admit that. I do that all the time, ask ridiculous questions. That's okay. <laughs> uh, but when we hear a player, and we just, we just heard the clip, of Trayvon Mullen saying, hey, our new coach cares more about just football. He cares about us as people. First of all, has there ever been has there ever been a coach that you encountered that was like, I don't care about you, I just care about football? And maybe there has been, but would you ever say that? Like, aren't we just going to hear that a coach cares more about the, the guys than he does about football? <laughs> well, typically, <laughs> and, I, and I would say maybe that was a jab at the previous coach. I don't even know who, who was the Paul previous Gunther. DC. Yeah, Gunther. Maybe that's what he's really taking a jab at. And to be honest, uh, I could care less if my coach cared about me or not when you're at the <laughs> pro level. Uh, to be completely honest, I want him to put me in a position where I'm feeling comfortable and where I can go make plays. Ultimately, that's it. We can have a relationship outside of the you know, the building, which is, is cool, too. But at the end of the day, we're pros, pros, and you got to be a pro and we're professionals. Uh, you know, so, you know, I don't think we'll be going out to eat with dinner with our families and their families, yeah. you know, unless we're at the Super Bowl celebrating. So, uh, yeah. Hey man, just do your job. Can, can you put a percentage on like, you know, how much of a player's success 
is like a coach that puts him in the right position and how much is just a player being great. Like, you know, we, we talk a lot about Jonathan Abram. I'll just throw that one out there. On, on this show, Jonathan Abram, former first-round pick, missed his first year. Last year, struggled a lot in coverage. And in this new system, you know, he's going to be able to play closer to the line of scrimmage more, go make, you know, go make plays just with his physicality and not have to worry so much about, you know, covering the deep ball. Like, can that change dramatically a player's success? Uh, I, I would say scheme and system and fit are always great for the player if he fits into those modes. Uh, if I was him, I, I, and I know exactly who you're talking about, Abram, you know, who was a hard hitter. I think he went to Mississippi State, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and he was a big-time hitter. Now, here's what happens. Some of these guys that are elite athletes like that, they don't continually evolve their game. Don't become just the hitter. Also show that you can also cover. So in the offseason, you have plenty of time. Work on your cover skills. Become technical. You know, be able to play in the deep middle because what's going to happen is, yeah, that's your strength in there. We're going to put you in those positions, but offenses know how to get you out of those positions. Guess what they'll do? They'll motion. Then you got to rotate, you know, and then the other safety's coming down. Now, all of a sudden, now you're at the deep middle. Now you got to understand how to learn to play the post. Well, the post, you can't be as aggressive. You have to be very patient because you're away from everything. So, you know, and then you got to read the shoulder tilt of the quarterback instead of, you know, reading the lineman and then you're filling a gap and everything's fast. Huh. You know, so to me, I think a guy with that kind of talent needs to hear that he needs to continue to evolve and work on his weaknesses and not all just his strengths to be better. But the scheme and system can help you. I, I can say playing in the scheme I was in, I benefited from it a lot and it fit my skill set and probably – Got me to a couple of Pro Bowls. Blaine Bishop is on Cofield and Company. Played for the Titans, the Oilers. He's doing radio now at uh, 104.5 The Zone in uh, Nashville. All right, well, let's talk about the big news of the day, and that is Julio Jones. Absolute slam dunk trade here, you know, slash signing for the Titans. Any downside to this at all? Well, the downside is if uh, Julio Jones, uh, you know, doesn't uh, stay healthy, uh, which he has some injury issues uh, last year with the hamstring. I think he only played nine games or so. Well, that that would be, you know, travesty and, and, you know, A.J. Brown didn't practice a lot last season. He got scoped on his knee uh, early in the season and he, you know, he banged it on the ground. And so if he wasn't there, you got now you got another option. So, you know, you got to pick your poison out. Both of them on the field with the king back there, King Henry. I, I think it's going to be tough sled for defenses uh, to, to determine what you want to do, who you're doubling or are you going to give up the run game. And if you can run the football, then you pretty much can then play action pass and throw the football. So they're going to have to uh, really <laughs> make a commitment to stopping the run, and that's going to leave those guys one-on-one. Is there going to be a, a shocking money element to this? Are we going to find out that you know Julio Jones is getting you know a, a new deal or whatever extension that makes his deal you know closer to what the the high-paid guys get now? You know, eighteen, nineteen million a year, and here's twenty-five mil guaranteed. I haven't heard of anything uh, at this point. Uh, you know, he's right now taking a physical. I think they're just going to leave the contract as is. And I think they're going to restructure and redo someone else's contract or people, you know, other players right. uh, is what we're hearing uh, right now. Uh, that's came out of straight out of John Robinson, the GM's uh, mouth in the interview yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to leave it as is. And I, I think they believe that they can get him uh, playing at a high level for at least two more years where they think they can have a push in and can make a push in for a Super Bowl run. Are we missing one of the big stories on this Titans team? I saw you retweet some stats comparing Tannehill to Mahomes last 26 yeah. games. And 
Tannehill's numbers are pretty freaking amazing. Are we sleeping on Tannehill? Like, is this is this move as as much about you know Julio and adding the weapon? But you know, really, it's a, it's for Tannehill. Like now he's got a real premium number one. Watch what this guy does now. Look what he's been doing. Watch what he does now. Oh well, you know, I, I think. Yeah, he has a number one, and that's AJ Brown. Now he's got two one A and one B. I think what's underrated, and I think you hit the you know nail on the head, is Tannehill. People still envision him, and I, I laugh because every time I do an interview, even with Miami people, they laugh at me because I tell them he's playing absolutely fantastic, unbelievable. He's playing at a high level. He is a top tier quarterback. What he's been with the Titans for the last two years, no question about it. He can throw the deep ball, the intermediate. He has mobility. He's tough. Uh, maybe he learned from all his uh, time there in Miami. But since he's been with the Tennessee Titans, I've said it from day one, the first game he started, he looked different, and he was better than Marcus Mariota instantly, and he's been durable. Uh, so I think the only test is, and he's done it a few times in the regular season, for him is to put the team on his back, and maybe that's why they made this Julio Jones move, uh, because when you get in the playoffs, the teams are going to be better defensively, they're going to be able to stop the run or contain it, let's say, at the most point, at most. And so now he has, it has to be on Tannehill's back to win games. Uh, he's done in the regular season, but not so much in the postseason, maybe once a couple of years ago against the Ravens. But Derrick Henry still had a big day. Uh, so I think they're planning for that move and adjustments and variables. You know, he's a smart, smart head coach and it's kind of really evolved into an elite head coach. Where could the Titans run into trouble this year? Uh, well, last year they were horrible on defense. They were absolutely putrid, uh, especially on third down. So they added Altry with Simmons in the, the D tackle, and they added Bud Dupree's coming off of a torn ACL, and they gave him maybe something million dollars. I don't know if I would have done that one. <laughs> but uh, if he gets healthy at the beginning of the season and he's ready to rock and roll, I think that was a, a, a good bet. But we shall see. Uh, and they've got added some young uh jack rabbit at corner and then they've added some young pieces uh first round pick caleb farley who was injured with a back injury when they drafted him uh so we shall see how that goes uh we've got christian fulton from lsu the year before who didn't get a lot of practice time uh, with injuries so they've got a young nucleus and uh kevin byer to safety you know is really good so i think if the defense uh kind of attacks a little bit more and play some more press man-to-man and kind of speed up the game, I think they'll be all right uh, and be good enough with that kind of offense. The offense scored 30 points a, a game last season. Former NFL player Blaine Bishop is on the horn with us. All right, who's the second-best team in the AFC? Let's just say the Chiefs are the best. Who's the second-best right. team in the AFC? Is it the Titans? Oh, man, that's a tough one. That was a question I brought up today on our show. You know, where do you, you, you know, where does the Titans fit? Did this make them an elite team right under the Chiefs? Or are you still muttered in there with the the Bills, the Browns, the Ravens? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. I would say that they're right in that mix. They beat the Bills pretty bad. But by the end of the season, I thought the Bills were a, a better team. And then the Browns uh, got them at the end of the season as well. So I think they're all right there together. And whatever team comes together the best at the right time at the end of the season and stand healthy, I think, will show who's the better team. I think all of them. You never can forget about New England, who's going to rebound, and then the Dolphins look like they're an up-and-coming team. Uh, so, and then you never discount the Hall of Fame quarterback and Big Ben and see if he can, you know, come back and have a better season than last. I don't think you mentioned any other teams in the division. 
the uh, Col- like, the Colts? Oh, and I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot. The Colts. No question. Okay. I think it's, it's – I'm sorry about that. Yeah, the Colts. The Colts are it's, – it's probably, I would say now, linked towards the Titans. thought it was a coin toss before. But here's the true question is, is the Julio Jones trade more beneficial than the Carson Wentz trade to the Colts? Which one was the better move? Hmm. A lot of people, you know, always say the quarterback – if he, if he comes back and is MVP-level type quarterback, uh, that will be the move. But we don't know, and we shall see him and Frank Wright, see if they can get it done. But uh, right now, I think the edge goes to the Titans. Well, I mean, I, I think if you if you had a crystal ball and you could say, you know, how does the offensive line for the Colts perform, I think that's their biggest question this year. And if they're good, I think they could be really good. And I think Wentz can bounce back and be good. But if they're not, he is awful under pressure. He just always <laughs> has been. Yeah, that, that, that's so true. Their offensive line is pretty good. I, I really love how they put their team together and they play as a team and they have a balanced offense. Uh, so uh, their defense is fast and they, they swarm to the ball. And they got some of the lead players on that side as well. So it's, it's going to be nuck and tuck. I think really be determined. They have three, te- three teams both that they don't uh, play, uh, you know, that uh, will probably determine who will win. Those three games outside of the conference will determine who will win the AFC South. All right, Blaine, let's close on this. The story of the day, uh, it looks like it's just about official now that Aaron Rodgers won't show up to mandatory camp tomorrow. How do you think this plays out? Where are we going with this? <laughs> man, you know, I, ah, man, I, I just don't see a player missing a season. Uh, ah, that's a tough one there. He has to put the uh, the idea out there that he will. Right. And a lot of people say that he will sit out a season. I just don't want to see him. I'm a big fan of Aaron Rodgers. I've been for him for a long time. Uh, you know, when you can throw the football and both feet are off the ground and still throw it <laughs> pretty far and very accurate, you're a special, special talent. And, uh, you know, uh, he felt like that uh, they didn't treat him in that manner, and they probably should have told him, and they didn't communicate it to him. Uh, you can disagree with it, but they should have told him. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he's he's pretty perturbed. So he went out there and got an MVP season. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll fix you. I, I don't know how this is going to play. I really don't. I, I, ultimately, the player has to show up because the cards are always held the heaviest by the organization. But uh, their their season will be done because Love was third string and didn't even dress last year. Yeah. Uh, so if I was if I was the uh, Green Bay Packers. Uh, I'd be a tough GM, but in this case, I would have never. I would have been a great communicator, yep. but I trade love. But it's too late for that. How tough? <laughs> uh, how tough a GM would you be? Uh, they can find him ninety three thousand dollars a day. Do you puff out your chest and really make this into an ego battle and go, you know what? We're finding you. So ninety three thousand a day, or do you just kind of lay low on that one? Uh, well, I was a franchise tag with the Titans when we moved here, uh, and I held out all the way to three days before the first game, and I was getting fined, and then they did not find me at all. Right. So I assume they would do the so same. That, so that has no teeth anyway. So what's the point yeah. of freaking being a tough guy at the front end? Yeah, you can perception-wise, PR-wise, you could act that way, but at the end of the day, if he shows up, they're they're not they're going to rescind all those fines. What uh, <laughs> what you uh, what do you have cooking the rest of the summer? Anything you want to push? I saw I seen you you've done like 15 interviews today. I feel I feel like you did us a favor here, so that was yeah. very nice. Anything yeah. coming up you want to push? Nah, nothing, nothing to push today, man. All right. Just, uh, yeah, this is the end of the road, man. I'm, there I'm shutting go. down. Good deal, good deal. Well, just know that we appreciate it very much. Thank you. Hey, anytime, guys, man. Thank you. There you go. Blaine Bishop, former Titan, former Oiler, doing radio 104.5 The Zone.
in Nashville. Uh, he, quibble, he quibbled with me there on number one receiver. Julio Jones healthy is a better receiver. He is the number one over A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's had – he actually has had 2,000-yard seasons, but last year was – 70 catches, like 1,075 yards. He did have 11 touchdowns, so he's a touchdown maker. But Julio Jones, at his best, like you said earlier, he's going to ask for 100-catch money. If he's healthy, Julio Jones is still a 90-catch, 1,300-yard guy with, well, hopefully 10 touchdowns, right? He he wasn't catching a lot of touchdowns in some of those years with Matt Ryan. The Titans story is fascinating. Titans are, technically, they're in a tie for the, they're like six best odds. In the AFC at twelve to one, they're twenty-five to one to win the Super Bowl. Twelve to one's not the worst shot. By the way, the Broncos are twelve to one to win the AFC, all on speculation of A. Rodge being there. Well, and and I think as it comes down to with the Titans, like they should win the division. They should win the division, and you know the Colts are right there, but the Titans have a very very good chance. And once you're there, you never know what's going to happen. So I I think if you can get teams around that number that you are pretty sure are going to be in the in the playoffs. It's a good start to betting futures. Man, oh, man. The fat pack on the way back. You know, we got, we got someone visiting Vegas. It was like the tale of two steakhouses this weekend. We got to tie this, you know, pictures for radio, but we got to talk about these these two dinners our buddy got. What a freaking sham on one of them. It looked terrible. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. One owns a meat slicer, the other an air fryer. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. C'è la luna e mezzo mare, mamma mia, me mare da te. Figlia mia, cutta dure, mamma mia, ti pensa tu. Fat pack time. All right, the town's opening up, Adam. Town's opening up. I know you were out and about a little bit uh, this weekend. I hung out with you on uh, on Friday night, and we had a guest in town. Our buddy Judge Dan was in from Denver to watch both of the Avs games and cover the games, and uh, he was living it up around town. Um, so we took him to a local bar and, uh, you know, had a few there. Um, had some food. Outstanding sampler platter. One of the biggest I've ever seen in my life. Chicken fingers to die for. Where Actually, were you? a sleeper spot for chicken fingers. Uh, someone was asking on the Friday night pod about uh, chicken. They wanted some chicken fingers. I think it was Friday, maybe Thursday. Uh. They wanted some chicken fingers. I threw out my suggestion. Someone else threw out this place. That's where we wound up. Uh, we had an outstanding sampler platter. Happy. It was good. Question? Where do you stand on the substitutions on the sampler platter? I didn't mind it. Actually, as it turned out, it was a brilliant substitution. It was the... the the person's delivery, it was Judge Dan, uh, his delivery was obnoxious because we know the people, not not that if you don't know the people, like, hey, we don't know the servers, be all bossy, but, like, we know the people, like, relax. Yeah. It was like he like he came storming in. He's like, we're not getting the zucchini. We're getting a replacement. I'm like, <laughs> calm down. All right? Like, we we know people here. They know us. You'll you'll get the zucchini replaced, right? And I think you got, what do you do, double up on the mots. Mot sticks? Yeah. It was all good. It was all good. Right? Tremendous. So he's been doing his tour of Vegas. Um, I just tweeted out one picture of one of his dinners. I'll tweet out the other one on the same thread. He goes to a steakhouse. He gets beef ribs. Mm. Do you take a look at these? You want to jump yeah. on Twitter and judge these? Yeah. I mean. And that's disappointing. We got a reputation to protect here. 
It's That's true. disappointing, Vegas. I feel like I, I've always been a little bit questionable on going to a steakhouse and not getting a steak. I mean, there's certain circumstances where maybe it, it, you know, it goes if, you know, I've definitely seen, I, I've been there when I was young, for sure, of like, you go to the steakhouse, uh, it's some older people that are maybe more affluent, and they're all getting the $100 steak, and you're like, throw the uh, $24 chicken on there? Can we do that? So, I mean, I've been in that situation, but this didn't seem like, this was not a financial decision. I feel like if you're a steakhouse, you just go steak. Well, you know, we, we've talked about Judge Dan before. He's quite the pitmaster. True. He's got, he's got a smoker. I, I don't know what this thing costs. It, it, what do you think? Three, four thousand dollars. I was going to say four thousand. It's, it's, it's so. craziness. I forget how many racks of ribs or like chickens at a time. It's a, it's it rotates. It's just, it's a monster. Full rotisserie. It, it's a monster, and it looks like you can throw a dead body in there. It's it's impressive. It's gigantic. I mean, that's. Not to make it unappetizing, I'm just saying it's very big. Sure. So he knows his barbecue, and I actually, I think he had a barbecue stand or truck or something for a while. So, you know, when you throw beef ribs in front of him like that, and they're all sloppy and slathered in barbecue sauce, it's like, come on. It's not on him. It's the order. You you take a chance. I will also say I looked at him. You know, you take a chance. The place is advertising ribs. You assume they're going to be good. I looked at it, and I was like, I think I know where those are from. (laughs) Is that bad? Yeah, for that place. I'm probably wrong. Oh, okay. I did, is it this? It's not the same place as the steak, is it? No. Okay. Oh no. Okay. No. No, the steak he went and got. By the way, courtesy of our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Well, you know, lawyers are kissing up to judges. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, took him out for a round of golf. And they wind up landing at a spot, and they get a steak. This is like a freaking tomahawk. It does look good. This is beautiful. I saw some video from the golf course. I did as well. Justin yeah. has been working on his game. His swing looked very nice. Yeah. Over the lake, I think. Look good. Yeah. Look good. 25 feet. So, tale of two steakhouses. Judge Dan wins on one, loses on the other. Well, is he a winner, or is the restaurant a winner and a loser? I guess he's the one that gets to eat it, so it's a winner. We can judge him in that way. Can we? Can we judge him for his order? We probably will. I mean, I, judge I, I the do. judge. Like, I do. What, what whether, were you doing? Yeah, I, I judge them. I judge everyone whether they they're part of the game or not. It's a good point. It's a real good point. But I think you know, you're getting, you know, going with this order is probably more on you than it is on the restaurant. I'm surprised you didn't ask about the, the whole golf date steak thing. Like how that came together. I mean, I just assume th- they do a podcast together with us on Wednesdays. They do some DMs. But did you set it up? No. You when? just said with us. Yeah. Well, why aren't we included? Oh, we're very busy. They had law stuff to talk about. Did you get invited? Absolutely not. I did. You did? Yeah. What? What? I now I am mad. No, you're mad. I'm mad. You got invited. Well, all I all I heard about was golf. Hmm. It was a golf invite. I had no idea the whole kit and caboodle was going to be included. I'm, I'm, After seeing that steak, I'm like, 
I don't even know what to say. Could have brought my uh, could have brought a twelve pack and just swung the club a couple of times and had the steak. This is I blew it. I'm the loser. This is disheartening. <laughs> the winner and loser. I'm the loser. I thought thought me and Justin were friends. Yeah, check out both of those uh, those dinners from the steak different steakhouses. Yowza. At Steve Cofield up on Twitter. JVT is on the way back, and we'll get into all the series prices in the NBA. There's already been some uh, pretty big adjustments. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. Adam, has there been a new entrant into the the big chicken sandwich war thing? Is there something going on the last couple of days? I feel like big chicken's been trending again on Twitter. Well, the Hardy's one is in. Really? I mean, they're you know they're up at the up. Do we at get the a top. Carl's Jr. Uh, same thing, or do we not get it here at Carl's Jr. Because Hardy's isn't here. I think they have the same menu, so they probably have it here. But I I think the biggest thing is the Chicago Tribune. I think has emerged as like the authority. Oh, has it? Uh, I mean, is that right? It, it's out. That's out next there to us. World. Could they update them what every made, once in a while? Made, what made the Chicago Tribune some sort of an authority? I don't know. We've been talking about chicken sandwiches for two years. Well, I risked life and limb to go into some of those Popeyes. It was rough. They have a I very, was ready. They have a very formal. Did they, whoever the writer is at the trip, they do the same thing? They have a very formal top 25. I'll say this. Oh, God. He did point out he must have really done some good research because he said the only Hardee's in Chicago is in a suburban gas station. That's freaking cool. And good, he went good, out and yeah, got it. Good for him. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's he's he's making the trek. Now did he did he post pictures of every place he went to and the lines everywhere like I did? Uh no. The hysteria has died down with the big chicken sandwiches. It has. But there is one there is one very controversial okay. sandwich out there. Yes. Because I find it to be probably the most delicious of the chicken sandwiches. Yes. Functionally it's not great. All right, we're killing our time. Let's get to it. John Von Tobel's with us. John, where are you on this? With what? You guys mentioned a lot of stuff, but I, I didn't really, hear like a I was getting topic. to it. So functionally, it's not great, John, but the, the Cane's chicken sandwich. It's not a sandwich. It's so good, but it's, it's so delicious. No, it's not. Adam's wrong on this. It's not a chicken sandwich. It's the laziest of all the sandwiches. They literally just take their chicken fingers and put it on a piece of bread with lettuce and say, here you go. They don't even put sauce on it. It's you delicious. Don't put the sauce on. So... I think it's lazy. I and I and honestly, Canes has something in their back pocket which would yep. destroy all of the competition, which is making that sandwich the same, but the bread is just two massive slices of their Texas toast yep. with the sauce. Who beats that sandwich? But don't don't we've been uh, we've been talking all day about the Logan Paul Mayweather fight. Don't you think this is the ultimate work of Big Chicken? There I think they they all had an order to come in with their sandwiches. I think Canes holds one of the last slots. What do you mean? Like, I think they're going to, Canes will come out with, there's been an order to all this, and every, like, three months, like, the hysteria picks up because some new place entered the Derby. I think Canes was put at the back of the list, like, as a nice benefit. I think they're coming with a chicken sandwich. I mean, maybe, but, like, nothing, you, you don't need to, right? You're above the chicken sandwich fray because wow. your thing is chicken, your, your thing is chicken fingers. And like Adam oh, wow. said, if there's, like, psychopaths out there who <clears throat> believe that their sandwich is actually a sandwich, then why adjust? It's a good point. They've and by the way, one people. of the sneaky aspects of, of their menu, uh, you get that Texas toast, slice it down the middle, put a finger in there, sauce, drizzle on it, let's go. So you're saying you already make the, the sandwich that they should I mean, be making? I think that's technically like a hoagie, right? If it's a piece of bread sliced down the middle, okay. not completely separated. Fair. 
Uh, I will say uh, their coleslaw is also fantastic. I dude, come on, no slaw, extra toast, bro. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, BBS too, by the way. No segue to this, but what happened with what the coach of the year voting? <laughs> you had it right. What happened? <laughs> what happened here? So, well, I think it's pretty interesting. So, coach of the year one, the NBA. Can I just say this? You get my my pulpit real quick. I'm sure the NBA is listening. Um, we vote on these awards now. The NBA has to release a schedule of when these things are going to be announced because it's like this random event of like all of a sudden on your timeline, it'll be like Julius Randle just won most improved. And you're like, okay, would have liked to know when that was coming since we're betting on these things now. Uh, But Tom Thibodeau was just announced as coach of the year. The sneaky aspect of this, though, guys, is the fact that uh, Tom Thibodeau did not receive the most first place votes. Monty Williams actually received two more first place votes than Tom Thibodeau, but he had 10 more Second place votes. There were 19 voters who thought that Monty Williams was the third best coach among the three. And so he loses out despite getting the most first place votes. So I feel like that's some sort of a minor bad beat. You bet on if you bet on Monty Williams win coach of the year and your guy got the most first place votes, but he loses. And I'd also like to say, I've had time to think on this. Tom Thibodeau. The only reason he wins this is because of the Knicks. If he does the exact same thing with like the Charlotte Hornets. He doesn't win the award. Mm-hmm. It is ridiculous. We had the 15 out of the 17 voters pick the New York Knicks in the series with the Atlanta Hawks. We have what's going on here with Tom Thibodeau. Get over the love for the Knicks and New York. All right? It's getting old. Monty Williams deserved to win the award, not Tom Thibodeau. Bam. All right, we'll see you. That's a good way to go out. You're not going to get any better than that. Uh, no. Uh, series prices around the NBA. What's a better bet or what was a better bet? Clippers. Was a, I thought a pretty good number, and now the uh, Sixers after the game one debacle, I'll take that one. Yeah, so we we've seen movement on on both of these, uh, and I got in on both pretty early. So the Clippers, th- this is actually a pretty fascinating conversation. So the Jazz actually opened up as a dollar sixty favorite over the Los Angeles Clippers when those series prices first come up. Uh, I took back the plus one forty on Los Angeles. Now we're down in the range of minus one thirty, plus one ten, minus one twenty five, plus one hundred five, depending on where you shop. But what's fascinating is, so I, I actually believe and make the Clippers a slight favorite in this series. And I was talking with Jay Croucher, who is the head of trading over at PointsBet this morning. I was filling in on Follow the Money. And he actually told us that PointsBet also believes that and wanted to make the Clippers the favorite. Uh, but didn't want to because the market really wouldn't let them. So PointsBet is the lowest on the market. I think they're about minus 120 on the Utah Jazz. But, but it does... It, it speaks to my thinking here that the Clippers are much better than the market's giving them credit for. And I think we need to realize that just because a seven game series, you know, goes seven, like you have to look at the way this series went down. And over the last five games, the Clippers dominated the Mavericks, right? They win four out of five games. They have a net rating of plus 10.7. They hold the Mavericks to a 108.3 offensive rating. Like they were really good over the last five games. And I expect that Clippers team to show up here against the Jazz on top of all the mismatch issues that are going to be available, right? No guy that's going to command double teams like Luka, no 6'8 wing that's going to give them problems that can score from all three areas of the floor. It's just a really beneficial matchup for Los Angeles. And on the other side, go to the second half of that, that Philly and Atlanta game, guys. The, uh, the Atlanta Hawks had a negative 32.1 net rating in the second half. They only averaged a point per possession, and Philly thoroughly dominated them but fell short. You know, I, I've been preaching throughout the postseason, the, the S-word as I call it, sustainability. What the Hawks did in the first half was not sustainable, especially over the course of a series. And so I was sitting back and hoping, you know, I was talking with Jeff Sherman yesterday and was expecting the market to come up Atlanta minus 120 
and Jeff Sherman at the Westgate Superbook, you should know. Um, and it didn't. It actually came up pick, minus 110. Still good enough for me. So I bet Philly at minus uh, 110, and now we're up to like $1.20, $1.25-ish on the Philadelphia 76ers. So we've seen some pretty good market moves on both sides, but uh, it's pretty intriguing to see how the market responds to, one, a best-of-seven series that the Clippers just get through and Philadelphia losing a game, which clearly their opponent playing an unsustainable form of basketball. Did the market react too much to the James Harden news? Dude, I think so, right? So we're talking about – so first off, I thought it was pretty fascinating. Adam, if you looked at the series price, so before game one, the Nets were about minus 210, somewhere in that range, right? You know, depending on where you shop. They win game one. Market goes back up. The Nets are minus 210 again. So, like, you get no adjustment on the series price despite the fact that they got one game in hand already. And I get Harden's not going to play. And then you look across the board. Milwaukee closes as a two-point favorite today against the Brooklyn Nets. That's that's a little ridiculous to me, right? Like, Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin and this entire team are still extremely good. KD and Kyrie without James Harden on the court, plus 9.1 net rating, offensive rating of 123. They shoot over 42% from three. They're an extremely gifted and skilled offense without James Harden on the floor. That's a massive overreaction to make Milwaukee a favorite on the road here and to not even budge the series price despite the fact that the Nets right have a one game in hand. So I, I think it's a it's a pretty strong overreaction here at this point. Like the series, maybe not so much, but the, the line for sure today is pretty insane to look at this and go, yeah, you know what? They should be a two-point favorite. Because think about it this way. We've been seeing home court fully factored into a lot of these. So we're talking about Milwaukee being like a six-and-a-half, seven-point favorite at home over the Nets, right, without James Harden? You, are you going to lay that with Milwaukee? Because that seems like quite the overreaction. By the way, Islanders just take a 3-2 lead against Boston in the second period of that game. Watch this one, Adam, on the replay while I ask John Von Tobel another question. Awful defense in front of the net. Awful. Uh, all right, John, let's close on this. We got a little uh, controversy. We got a lot with John Rahm being dumped from the tournament when he was leading. Uh, no vaccination, uh, COVID positive test. Well, you're out. But now we've got different policies around the country. Some sports books, I guess, as a goodwill gesture or paying out. So then it makes the ones who aren't paying out and just following rules. He didn't win. It's making those books kind of look silly. It, to to an extent, I don't think it makes them look silly. What what I'm fascinated by, Steve, is kind of you know, let me restate that wrong word. Makes them look like the bad guy when they're not the bad guy. Right. And, you know, it's funny. And this is what I find fascinating. So let's go back like three years ago, right? When DraftKings first came to our shores and, you know, everything was happening. FanDuel started up as well. And one of the things that happened was they started, they paid out Alabama future bets really early one year. I think it was like 2017 because it looked like Alabama was just unstoppable, right? And so they paid them out early and it made a lot of headlines and people were excited like, wow, what is this? And it's the start of like these types of uh, events, right? Whether it's early payouts, whether it's bad beat insurance, as some of them call them. And now... In such a short amount of time, the public better has been trained to expect a payout of some sort after events like this. And, and so not only if you're a traditional book, as it has been dubbed on, on Twitter, right? If you're Circa, if you're Westgate, if you're any of those shops, you're like, no, nah, it's a loser, right? It's a withdrawal. Like, if this is no yeah. different than an injury. This is no different than him having to leave because he tore his ACL. Yes, he is your third round leader, but he does not win the tournament. And so... Like, there's a lot of people, like you said, one, going after the shops who decided to grade this as a loser. But the other, like, we saw responses to social media accounts like the Circa. How is this a loser? What do you mean? How is it a loser? <laughs> He's not finishing the tournament, right? You got to play all four rounds. So I think it's fascinating where, 
betters have already been trained to expect this back. And by the way, not even realizing that a majority of the sites like DraftKings and FanDuel are paying you back in site credit, not so much even money. So you got to play through that. You're not even getting your money. You have to play through it to get it. But the other part is it's just we we had this conversation when books were starting to do this a couple of years ago, and this is the fruits of those seeds that they're planting, right? This is them doing this for the last few years, and now all of a sudden, even if they only get three customers to say, I'm not going to book X because they didn't pay me out, I'm exclusively going to book Y, it worked. And I think the psychology behind it's fascinating, the way that they have kind of trained the mind of the masses to expect something like this. And it just turned into something fruitful for them because now some of them are turning their backs on traditional books because they expect this and they don't realize that these are house rules and this is the way it works. John, when are you on, uh, excuse me, when are you on this week on VEASAN? Uh, let's see. I think I'm on Wednesday and Friday and I might be on Thursday. I think I'm off tomorrow. Um, so play it by ear. <laughs> okay. Good, good, good answer. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There he is, John Von Tobel on VEASAN. Big Five is on the way. We'll get back into the big fight from the weekend. That was a weird one, and also some of the real keys to getting this to a 2-2 series for the Golden Knights. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.